You're listening to the Grow Daily Podcast. Invest, elevate, and achieve. Subscribe to Grow Daily via SoundCloud. SoundCloud.com forward slash Grow Daily. Yo, this is Ashley Bilal Chin, and I grow daily. success there's no there's no definition of success everyone's success is different so for one man success could be to one day have a multi-million pound organization or for a next man his success could be just to come out of jail and not reoffend then he's successful the next person it could be just to be able to live in the west and bring his whole family over he's successful he so if we measure if we put a definition of it then someone's gonna feel like they're never gonna achieve that and they're never going to be successful. So everyone's success is different. For me, it's broad. I used to think materials was success. If you ask me when I was younger, what do I want? That's because the lack of money, the lack of everything, just makes you want it. You always want what you don't have. So if we ain't got money for food, we ain't got money for night, we ain't got money for nothing, then I want those things. And everyone you're seeing that looks like they're happy, it looks like they're living well, they're the people of wealth. So my early idea of success was I want money. I want to get out of this situation. The place we're living doesn't look good. My mum's dropping me to school in the car. Every minute, car's not starting, car's not starting. She's sitting there, come on, God, make the car start, car's not starting. I'm sitting in the back in my uniform thinking, what's going on, mum? So that I'm making me think, I just want a better car. I want to, we want to live good. I don't want to go through none of this. So we want to be successful have money, have riches, have a nice car, have a big house. Like, so that was my early aims and ambition and idea of success. But the other day, I tell you the story, the other day I was in I was in Dubai. So I got a villa on the palm. This is about three weeks ago. I got a Ferrari car at the front, I got a private beach at the back and the villas it's beautiful. The palm's like one of the best places in Dubai. We're hiring yachts during the day. I hired a phantom one of the days to get chauffeured around it because it feels nice. Now, I had a young boy with me, he's 18 years old. And when I was flying home, he's experiencing all this with me. When I was flying home, he was staying for two extra days. I'm saying bye to him at the door. And then he said, ah, oh, man, I wish I was going home as well. You know, if I could change my flat, I'd just change my flat. He'd been there for like seven days now or something, so he's staying for 12 or 10, and this is sometimes what happens. So I said, why do you want to go? He said, oh, I just miss my mum. I said, oh, you miss your mum? He said, yeah, like, I spoke to my sister today. And, uh, I said, well, look at what you got, though. You're in Dubai, it's 30 degrees of heat. You've got the Ferrari, the private beach. We was on the yacht, and you're talking about you want to go on because you miss your mum. You, mum, do you notice something? Is that what you mean? I said, do you see these things? it doesn't actually bring the happiness you thought it had. I bet if I asked you a year ago, what do you dream for? You'd have said all these things, but you're here, and look, you're still not content. You want to go back to the council estate in East Ham? Because you miss your mum. So now, I, I still want that financial finance, the money, but the success will never come without other boxes ticked. So the money brings you that financial freedom, so where you don't have to answer to certain things and go be at certain places at certain times um, but you need the, that family kind of love 
When you feel alone, you'll never feel successful, no matter what you've got. When you feel like if your children don't love you, you won't feel successful, no matter what you've got. If you feel unhealthy, you won't feel successful, no matter what you've got. You just want your health. If you feel like, so I, you have to have all these different things. And spiritual, for me, a spiritual goal needs to be in there as well. So once I have goals of all of those things and balance it out, then for me it's a spiritual goals, family goals, financial goals. All of them goals need to be in one. And then if I have all of them, then I'll be then I feel successful. Alright, so if I'm young and we all look up to something or someone, mm. so like it's a role model. So for me, I used to love I'm 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 born in the early eighties, I used to love like Nas Escobar. And uh, this is someone I looked up to, and he's from Queensbridge, New York, big chain, that kind of look, haircut with a part in, you know, like a big Averex jacket, or Jay-Z. The New York kind of styles into I like, we looked up to America, there wasn't people like myself on TV that could resemble, not like the era we're in now, where we can see people that are doing well for themselves that resemble us, that are from around the corner from us. So as people across the, across the world in America we're seeing on TV, and I used to look up to, I used to love watching films, Scarface, Tony Montana, this is a man who comes from Colombia, he's saying, look to his cousin, come to the boat, we've got nothing. But they're ambitious, and then I see he's got this cocaine mountain in front of him, so I want to be like Tony, I want to make that money, I want to take over Frank, like, so this is where we get the early ambitions from. Now, these as my role models, I went for it, and for me, I don't know, when you go for something, like, I remember, I go hard for it. I remember what for little things like seeing my dad go in a shop in Bond Street and they say, hello, Mr. Chin, and shake his hand. I always remember that. I might have only seen my dad, my dad five times in five years, but I remember them little things. I never hated him. I think, well, my dad was doing well. I want to go in them shops in Bond Street when I'm older and they say, yes, Mr. Chin, and shake my hand. So I went for it hard, trying to go for it, trying to go for it. This is it. We just want to get out. We want to get out. And I remember they came around my area when I was 15 and they said they're, they're making a film for BBC. Now, black people ain't on TV these days. So when they said they're making this film, it's like, yo, I want to be in this film. What are you saying? Like, they're shooting a film. Bro. They were shooting in Brixton, England town. And it's about children in a children's home. My mum's took down the address. They said, come down to the BBC. We go down there. I'm excited. But when I get there, I've got that council estate mentality straight away because I see these kids, they've got their sleeves rolled up, they've got sweatbands on, bottle of water, they're like, yeah, mum, like, they're just ready to go in. And I'm thinking, they're used to this environment. I'm like a fish out of water. I've never left my estate, really. So I'm nervous and shy. Naturally, that's how we are. Most of us don't feel confident to go for job interviews and we just feel comfortable in our own space. So I'm nervous. Straight away, I'm saying to mum, listen, I'm just, forget this. And there's about a thousand kids there. But my mum, she's seeing it as I'm her hope. You know, some of the parents who don't have much, their kids are their hope. So she's like, no, you have to, you're good. And mum's think you're the best at everything. You're the best here. So I've got that pressure now. And I've got in the room. But I remember, everything, the things that was going against me, maybe like my attitude of being on a street, a street boy and my characteristics, was now working for me. I learned how to use what was bad as something good. When I'm watching them around the table, and she's giving us lines and she's saying, look, read these lines. You're a young bravado street boy, like, so you've got to be a bit scary and stuff. And she goes, but so try and come across that way. And the first boy is reading it. And the way he's reading the lines, 
It's just like, what group boy? No, I don't. So I'm looking at him thinking, that ain't how we talk, who you talking? And I listen to the next one, and I'm saying, yo, what, none of them can't get this right. The next one, so the more I'm listening to them, I'm thinking, they ain't got this, I've got this. That's come to my goal, and, and the lines was, I remember like it was yesterday, was a woman walks past you with her handbag. As she sees you, she grabs her bag like that, and you've got to say something like, what's wrong with you? Does it look like I'm coming to steal your bag? You stupid. So I've just said it normal. Like, hey, what's wrong with you? Is it like I'm coming to steal your bag or something? Like, normal. Like, not. And she's just gone, that was so authentic. That was so real. I, I got scared. So then she's gone out to my mum, and she said to mum, look, we want him back. He's good. He's natural. So there's about a thousand, and long story short, they kept bringing me back, bringing me back till I was the one who got picked. Like eight of us got picked, and I was one of the eight. So when they picked me, I remember um, Ashley Waters, yeah, big up Ashley Waters, he's one of the eight as well that got picked. And then a girl, so from that eight, from the UK, I've seen people to go off to do great things. Girl Ashley Madekwe got picked. Now, from that, from that job, when they offered me the role, the first thing I want to know is how much money is it? What am I getting paid? What am I getting paid? Because my ambition is money. From then, I didn't even really care too much about the fame. How much money is it? I was saying like, what, five, six, seven hundred pounds a week? What? In the 90s, this is 98, that's a lot of money. I'm 15. And I'm saying, yeah, how are we getting into work? Where'd I have to go? Da, da, da. So I'm only up the road, Gypsy Hill. This is like 10 minute drive. They said they're sending a driver for me. I'm walking out of my house, 6 40 a.m., early starts. I'm up early, looking out on my balcony for this car. I see the car, big S Class Mercedes, 98, that's my chauffeur. So when I get in this, when I, I don't even get in the car straight away. I wait, I stand outside, I'm saying to the driver, wait there one second, one second, I'm looking around, I'm thinking, yo, someone has to see me getting in this car. Because this is a big deal right now. And I ain't got no Instagram or Snapchat to parade it. So then I get in the car and go to work. Now, why I say this was a change for me? Because what happens is I get a taste of a different life. I'm getting chauffeur driven, I'm going to set, and I'm integrating with different type of people that I've never mixed with. My director, Simon Kellen Jones, is a different type of man. He's invited me to, actually, what are you doing after work? Do you want to go to lunch? He's bringing me to the Ivy. From 16 years old, then we're jumping in black taxis and going here and there. So I'm seeing something that I've never seen before. But then I'm, and I'm thinking, well, if my friends on my estate could see how this side lives. And then I go back to the estate, and I'm investing my money into street stuff and doing this, that, and the other. And I'm thinking, well, wow, if those people could see how we live on the estate. So it's like, I'm, there's two worlds I've noticed now. I didn't know that world exists, but me being exposed to it changed me where I feel like I became different to everyone of my pit, like my friends who I was around. They didn't have that type of inspiration. They still only had Jay-Z and Nas who they're watching on TV. So that was a turning point for me where I started knowing there's more, I can get more, I can do more. And I went in to that industry more and more. And I was always trying to cross over. So even if I did crime, my, my, my thing was this crime's just a stepping stone. From young, I always thought that. And I thought, look, this, my, this man's dad said, he, this boy got his stepping stone with his dad. His dad gave him his first bit of money to start up a business or he, took, he inherited his dad's business or company or his uh, stepping stones and like that. So I'm saying this field of crime is just a stepping stone. And I used to give myself that excuse and say, I'm a, like, like I'm, I'm allowed. I made excuses for myself. As long as it's just a stepping stone, and then we're going to do this, we're going to do that, and we're going to achieve this. So this was our early thing from 17, 18. And I achieved a lot. 
in a young age. And from being on the TV, I also got recognition and fame. It was a big thing then. But what I did notice was that emptiness. Like my 18-year-old friend in the bias, I had that emptiness inside. And I think that emptiness, if you're searching for happiness and you think the success is going to make you happy and then you become successful and you're still not happy, then you're going to start questioning where, where else can I find happiness then if it's not, going to, it's not just in success. And that was a point where I started looking in other directions and then I went to live in Egypt at 21 for like a couple of years. So that was the biggest change in my life. So you left London and you went to Egypt. Mm. And you left everything and everyone behind you on a quest for less day happiness. When you got there, what did you what was the first thing that happened to you? What did you find? You know, I went to Egypt. I went to Egypt for change. Mm. I was frustrated with myself and my mentality. Because as much as I want to act like I was some superhuman, I was doing this good, I wasn't. like. So what I mean by that is, here, when I didn't have this happiness and I had this emptiness, I'm asking questions like, what is the purpose of life? Like, what is, what is this? If I can have money and I could be driving a Mercedes and I could have the attention of female, why am I not content? Why is there an emptiness inside me? So I'm searching elsewhere. And for me, I always believe in God. Most of the poor people do. Because like I say, when my mom's car's not started, she turns to God. God, please make the car start. When you ain't got money for this side, you turn to God. God, please make some money come. So we believe in God strongly. So I converted to religion. Yeah, that religion, my chosen religion was Islam for its purity that it just means submit to God alone. And I was always funny about praying to something else or worshiping something else. So I just thought, I just believe there's a God and I just want to pray to God, that's it. So when I found that that's all that, that that religion means, I turned to this religion. Now, I'm thinking to myself, I just want to live a life that's pleasing to God, that he's happy with. Because if I feel like God's pleased with me, that might mean give me contentment. Because I'm not finding contentment for nothing else. So maybe that will give me contentment, just knowing that I'm living a life that's pleasing to God. However, I can try, but... Some things are just too short-lived. We're just humans at the end of the day. So one day I'm driving and I'm in my focus mode and then all it takes is for a man to phone me and say, yo, this is going on, that's going on, and my head's gone and I want to go back out of focus. And then I'm back in my focus mode the next day and then all it takes is me to bump into this girl that I used to like three years ago. I'm like, yo, what's going on? She's like, yeah, I seen you for long, take my number. And then I'm back out of focus. So as a human, it's like I'm going up, down, up, down like a yo-yo. So I'm thinking to myself, I need to do better, better. I need to do better and I want to push myself to do better. You know what, I want to take myself away from my surroundings, away from everything so that there's less distractions. And that was initially why I went to Egypt. And I say, when I arrived in Egypt, my thing was the change, like to, to change my whole pattern of thought. I used to be very showy, like I cared too much about what people think and this. So when I go to Egypt, I think it's brand new. No one knows you. You can just be pure and just change. Like, So I got there. I didn't know where I was staying. I didn't know where I was living. I didn't know nothing. I got harassed at the airport for that. It's for my first time traveling. We were so narrow-minded where we come from. I'd never been on a holiday before. So it's my first time even leaving the country. And when I arrived there, they say, well, who are you staying with? I said, I don't know where I'm staying. They said, uh, so who are you here with? I said, by myself. 
So this is your holiday. I said, yeah, kind of. I'm going to stay like a year or so. They said, we can see that. You've got an open ticket. So who do you know here? I said, no one. So they start dragging me to the office. Like, so I'm getting worried. Like These police have got big guns and it's, it's different for me. So I'm thinking, what's going on? This is, I, I'll go home. If you don't want me here, I'll go home. But someone helped me in the airport. And he said, he started speaking to the police in Arabic. And like, I don't know what he was saying, but I take it he was saying, no, he, he's okay, he's with me. So when I said to this guy, he's like, you from London? I went, yeah. He said, cool, man, my name's Arafan, I'm from Luton. So I was just like, okay, so I can tell you from London, from your clothing. And I said, all right, cool, thanks for that. He goes, don't worry about them, they do, they're just like that. And he goes, what are you doing there? Where are you staying? He made a small talk with me, so we're walking out of the airport together. He said, you've got your luggage, come, I'll walk you out. So I'm just talking to this guy. And when I told him my situation, I don't know where I'm staying, I don't, even he looked at me like, so we, I said, well, I've got money and I'm just going to find somewhere. Like, I, feel, I don't feel threatened if I've got money on me. So he just said, come stay with me. I hope you find somewhere to live in that. My landlord, maybe he's got other properties. So because I went there, I would have never have went with him. But because I went there on this mission of change and clean. I said, yeah, let's go. So I said, I'm going to be different now. I'm not, I wasn't sociable, so I just went with him in the taxi. And we arrived at his house. He said, yeah, you can stay in this room. There was a mattress on the floor. I stayed in his room for about three days. And then that area is just the area I knew. It's not, not, not touristy at all. And he just said, uh, my lad, his landlord found me a flat upstairs from him. So it's like I had a friend there. And it was mad because I had trainers, socks, jeans, all these kind of clothing, but it's too hot. So he said, he said to me that there's a shop on the corner called Tawhidin No. They sell like simple things. Went in there, I bought flip-flops for £2. I bought like, these trousers that cut their hair for like 50p and, and these tops that were like cheap. And that was my outfits while I was out there for the whole time. My whole outfit cost like £7. I used to eat breakfast from this man who used to walk with the fresh bread. But it was fresh. And I don't know, like being out there, that was the biggest change because... I stopped caring. What mattered, I was content. I had this content, free feeling like no letters coming for me. There was no post box. Letters, a stress, this bill, this, that. I had nothing like this. It was just stress free. I was carefree. Like, I was just taking care of myself. I miss my mum. I talk to my mum. That's it. I've not got a big family, so I've already got that to worry about. It's just me, my mum, and my sister. So I talk to my mum. I talk to my sister. That's it. And I talk to my close friend, but when I speak to my close friend, he's saying to me, like, hold on a second, who's this car pulling up on me? He's like, wait one second. And he said, nah, some tinted car just rolled up next to me. And I'm listening and I'm thinking, this just sounds mad. Like, <laughs> I ain't even heard that stuff for long, I'm out here. And that's when I stopped missing home. I was thinking, is that what's going on there? And then he'd be like, right, well, now nah, police are behind me, I'll phone you back. So every time I hear it, it's like pollution. Thinking, no, that's mad. Is that what's going on? But I don't even want to go back. So I stayed out there longer and longer and longer. And the more I stayed there, I say it just started changing something in me. It was just changing things in me. Where I remember when I first came back to the UK, and I saw a boy. I wanted to surprise my mum. I, I got a train to East Croydon. My mum was living by Upper Norwood near Fortinith at the time, and I got the train and then a taxi from East Croydon. But when I got to East Croydon train station, there was a couple of road boys. And I watched them, how they were talking in their mannerism. And I just remember thinking, this is mad. I'm, I, need, I need to like do something. 
yeah, that was a big part of my life that changed me, 21, 22 years old. You mentioned religion. Yeah. Um, at the time when you made a decision to become a Muslim, yeah. a lot of people were converting to Islam at the time. Um, what would you say made your relationship with your religion unique in comparison to the trending change of young Muslims in South London at the time? At the time when I converted to religion, Islam, there was hardly any youngsters converted to religion. It was quite a weird thing. It was quite abnormal. Mm -hmm. I converted in 2002, mm -hmm. and it was like, why are you Muslim? Like, what is that? Within three years, it was now, oh, you're not another one of those Muslims, like. So, I think Allah, God, is the best of planners, and he guided very influential people first, and then there was a domino effect. So I remember when I converted, there was other, another influential person near to me ended up converted, and it's like, I'm going back to my area, and then my whole area is converting, because I'm influential. He's got his area, his whole area. And it's not because people are just followers and we're leaders, it's because the respect I just maybe had as a human was, he knows what he's doing. So if you're doing that, there must be something in that. Why are you doing that? Because you're not one of them people that will do something for the fun of it. So it was people that, so when I done it, it was like, what is it about that? Like what? And if you're talking to, the new, when the newspaper spoke of uh, this rise of the Muslim boys and this, they said it's, it's spreading, like it's crazy in South London. It was very, it was very much. And, but if you're talking about street kids from estates, mums maybe addicted to drugs or alcohol, no hope, not much going on in their life. When they hear something that is giving someone else hope, they run towards it. So that's why the numbers was coming like that. Because these people are just hearing like, wow, wow, what, what, what is that you've got? I want something to hold on to. I want, like, what is that? There's hope after this life. Because the way we see it is everyone's just dying and li not living for anything. So that's why there was a big rise. But I would say when I took, not claiming that I was the first, but when I did it, it wasn't, it was a very abnormal thing. There wasn't much Muslims around. There wasn't. It was at the beginning, the beginning, the beginning. That's why we're pretty much known for being like, yeah. So anyway, <laughs> anyway, it was early. It was very early, and it was an authentic change in regards to. I just, I just went like. I've always believed in God anyway. I've always believed in God. And I've always felt like I used to ride motorbikes and I always used to talk to God on my, my motorbike. My mum used to punish me when I was a kid and say, God, learn the books of the Bible. So I got in my room, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. I was a godly person. Or oh, God, learn the Lord's Prayer. So when I'm riding my motorbike, I could be getting 120 miles per hour down the road People could think I'm in there rapping in my helmet. I'm just saying the, the Lord's Prayer. I wonder how I managed to exist without the... I'm just singing like God hymns and prayers. I used to go Bible studies, crusaders, pathfinders and Sunday school. So I was proper godly. My thing was, I'm too religion. Hold on. So because I come from England, 
and because my mum and dad is Christian and their parents were Christian, I'm just going to inherit it and be the same and then tell my kids to follow me like I had done anything clever and then they pass it on to their kids. Now, who's done the research? We're just all following. If I, that means if I was born in India, I would have been Sikh or Hindu. Or if I came from Israel, Jerusalem, I would have been um, a Jew. I need to go and research what I think is the truth. So I just looked into religion and when I found out that a Muslim is one who surrenders himself to God alone, I'm happy with that. I just want to submit to God. Nothing else. I don't want to, be, I don't want to worship no creation because I don't know if that's true. I just want to worship the creator. So that way when I die and I'm eternity and he said, I just pray to you, I won't show up by nothing else. I can't go wrong with that. I don't care if it's a fashion, I don't care if it's a trend, I don't care if it was a man begging on the street who told me that that's how I should live my life. If he's saying to me, you know he's created by a God, you should pray to God and thank God, I'm going to say, you know what, I'm going to take them wise words from you. Because that's it, it's simple for me. But some people take religion and don't understand that they go left and right with it. So my purpose of life now is, in a nutshell, because I believe in God and I think we die and we go back to Him, so in a nutshell, my purpose is to do the things that's pleasing to Him while I'm here. So it's like to worship God. That's my purpose, to do the things that are pleasing to Him. However, if I say it in one sentence, just to worship God, do the things that are pleasing to Him, you might think, or the audience might think, that means to live your life just praying and fasting. It doesn't. This is not... What worship? Worship is like getting married, looking after my wife, going to the park with my kids. These are all things God's pleased with. Holding the door open for someone, working hard, going to work. When I go to work, coming home with wages to support my family. All of these type of things God's pleased with. So being that decent man, that's it. What I've noticed now is, with regards to how much money I will make and how successful I will become, be become I don't think I have full control over it. So no matter how hard you work, some people just, it ain't going to work for them. So that's why I've got out of my mind, I want to achieve this and I want to achieve that. I want to just live right and accept what comes. I might end up in, I was in Africa the other day, I'm, I'm building a school and an orphanage out there and I just said, you know what, I might take a piece of land for myself because I might end up just having to build a little hut there and that's where I'm going to rub out, that's where I'm going to live. I might not end up in the big villa I expected. But I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. If I end up in Africa, as long as we've got the water near us, a beach, and the house is sufficient for me and there's fresh food and good fruit, I'm alright with that. So... My main overall purpose is just to live right, to stop doing the things which are displeasing to God. I don't want to be the type of man who sleeps with loads of women, who has loads of kids all over the place and don't look after them, to be out in clubs every week. I want to avoid being that type of per that person who lives a worthless life and when he dies he has no legacy. There was nothing for him. What was he known for? It's all gone. I want to have something that lives on. That's what I want to build. This is my school. I could pass away and the name's on the plaque. Them kids are still learning for years to come. That's the academy that was built by so-and-so in this year. Do you understand? And I want, so I just want things like that. That's my book. It's out there, reading it. People, other people can read it. More people are actually dead, moved on, and they're still going on. And it's helping people. It's inspiring and motivating people. So I want to live for something. And yeah, 
and God can just say, yeah, I'm happy with you. You know what? You've done all right. Um, what are some of your uh, daily rituals that you practice or the things that you do every day to kind of keep you on point? Boy, I brush my teeth. <laughs> That's the truth. I brush my teeth with a serious... I take the teeth very, Teeth are very serious to me. My toothpaste costs £20. Wow. I take my teeth very serious. So I brush my teeth every day, a few times, because you're greeting people with a smile. A smile is like charity. You have to have a... You know what I'm saying? Your smile can ruin everything. <laughs> so I take care of my teeth and um, I pray every day, never fail, never fail at specific times. So I pray five times every day at specific times to show good that my life revolves around your prayer times. My prayer don't revolve around my life. So I do my prayers every day. And... There's other things I would like to do, but I let life get the best of me and I don't end up doing them. But I would like to, like for example, I want to read, even if it's three lines of the book that I believe is my book of life, which is a Quran, I want to I read it every, every day, but I don't pick it up every day and I don't want to lie on camera like I do, because that's not real. <laughs> but that would be nice and I advise that. If it's not that book for you, something to increase. And um, I spend a lot of time by myself, and I think that helps me. And that might not be like something someone says, but I'm asking, what do you do? But I do that every day, spend time by myself. So I live by myself, I live outside of London, in the countryside. They turn the street lights off at 11 p.m. It's very silent, I don't hear much cars. And I do it every day, I'm by myself. And I think that alone time allows you time to think because the way the world works, you don't think much because you're working all day. And then when you get home from work, you're tired from work and you might be watching a TV show or you go for drinks after work and then you want to go to bed because you've got work the next day or whether you're a student, you've got to do your homework or your coursework mm-hmm. and then you do that the next day and you're there. And then on the weekend, you're like, oh, it's weekend. Yay, thank God it's Friday, you're going out. And then you're mash up on Saturday, but you're getting ready to go out again Saturday night. You do dinner, you go out Sunday, you're catching up on omnibus or whatever you missed. And then you're back to work on the Friday and you never had no time to think. So I just spend time by myself in my house and I'm thinking a lot. And it's a gift and a curse. That's what I think, because I think too much. So it's a gift because it allows me to plan and to think simple things and to organize yourself but it's a curse because when you overthink sometimes it damages you and it makes you stresses you out because the world is not beautiful it's depressing what's your views on like visualization like or manifestation like what do you mean like so you have a vision of something in your mind of what you want and and you and you can make it come into fruition by just literally just sitting down and thinking about things? Or... It's different for me because I know some people feel say this is powerful. Like if you visualise something strong enough, hard enough and believe in it, then it will come into, like it will happen. For me, I understand that, but I really do believe, you know, what, what's meant to be will be. Mm. And you will only get what you was meant to get. So... I'm not a big dreamer, I have no dreams. 
I don't have dreams. I've got no like I I don't. That's my thing. Is no. I I made up a quote one time, and I think my quote was no dreams, just reality. So I have no dreams. Just deal with the reality. So if I say to my friend, if my friends, this is how I am, we sit at the table and say, well, it would be sick if we went to the Caribbean and we rented a big house and we done this. I go online and book it right now. Why are we talking about it? Let's just do it now, then. I don't do dreaming. We're either doing it or we're not doing it. Like, there's no, there's no, like, because a lot of people will say this would be good or that would be good and they just think about it and then they don't ever get round to it. I'm just a, that's why I was in Egypt, when I come spontaneous. I had a talk with one Egyptian man and I said, what is that what your country is like? On my way home from the talk, I saw STA travel in Victoria. I didn't even know about going online there and I walked in the travel agents with the brochure and I was like, yeah, I'm booked to go to Egypt and I just booked it there and then. So I'm not really. But I understand it and I don't think everything's my way is for everyone. Everyone's got their own way. Mm-hmm. So I do understand it. But because of my experiences in life, what I went through, mm-hmm. I got no dreams, just reality. Because look, I tell you, my experiences were my best teachers. Things like my dad telling me, phoning me, I ain't seen him for about a year. You got a bike? No, I ain't got a bike. I'm nervous. I spoke to my dad, no, you got a computer? No, I ain't got a computer, dad. All right, Saturday, I'll come to pick you up. We'll buy a bike and computer. Come off the phone. I'm like, what? My dad's the best. But then Saturday comes standing on my balcony and I'm thinking, oh, which one's my dad's car? He's coming. My mum's saying, come in the house and wait. What's wrong with you? I said, no, 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 my dad's coming to pick. Waiting, looking, looking, looking. Looking, looking till it's getting dark. And I'm thinking, I'm nervous. Thinking not going to come. But my mum's, let's get in the house. The shops are shut now anyway. And when she says that, that's when it hits home. Why is not even going to come? So I was running out. I go in the house, mash up my room. Vex. Built up my hopes. Had expectations. And now it's been destroyed. Then he calls again in a week. Yeah, sorry, da, 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 but I'm coming this week. That hope makes me say, it's okay, don't worry, because I'm hoping, yeah, you know. And then next week it happens again. You know what you see now? Nothing's going to happen. That's what I see. It's not going to happen. Unless I do it, it's not happening. Beautiful lesson. I never, I love my dad to pieces. Me and him sit down and reason about life. I love him. Because them lessons there, you think, I love that taught me something, no, I ain't going to do nothing for you. I don't walk into nothing with no expectations, no dreams. I just think, yeah, 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 yeah. Someone could sit down with me and be like, look, we're going to do this for you, that. I'll be like, brilliant. I walk out of there thinking, yeah, if it happens, it happens. They might be. Mm. And so for me, I ain't got dreams. Mm-hmm. I just deal with the reality, so, yeah. Do you have goals? Yeah. Many goals. Many goals, as in, I want to finish the school that I'm building right now. I want to complete it. Mm-hmm. And I want to build more of those schools. I hope to build more of them. Their schools and orphanages in one. They're like life coaching centers for kids. So they learn life, not just education. Um, I want to... I've got, I've got my own... I want to complete my book, which I wrote in 2012. But... I feel like it's too personal, I don't want to pull it out. And now I feel like I just I can add more to it. So I want to complete my book. As a filmmaker, I want to turn the book into a film. So I ain't got goals like I want to go Hollywood and be the next Denzel or Idris. Or, or I believe if that was my goal, I would have done that already. But it's not really, I'm, I'm just living and enjoying life how I'm living it. Um, most... Um, when someone talks about goals and life, because I have a child, a daughter, 
she's like, she just always comes into my mind. So, I just want my daughter to be okay. Not like financially okay, just mentally okay. In a world full of rubbish, I just want her to be okay, regardless of what happens to me and all that. So yeah, and um, I want to better myself as my own goals is in self-discipline and be more organised. Organisation is key. Principle, be very tidy. Be very tidy and all these type of things, it helps. Yeah. And if you were to introduce yourself now, how would you introduce yourself if you were walking into a room with people that don't know who you are? I don't know who I am, I say my name, I just introduce myself by my name. My name is Ashley Bilal Chin. Bilal is my chosen name that I threw in there because I love that name. Bilal was a black slave and yeah, yeah he, he, no matter what his tyrants would do to him, he would never renounce his belief in God. So, and he had a voice that used to call people to success. That's what he was known for, calling people to good work. So I chose that name, Balaam, and my birth name is Ashley Chin. So my children, my name now is Ashley Balaam Chin, ABC for sure. And all my companies are ABC. The fashion's ABC fashion, the life coaching's ABC life, the films are ABC production. Yeah, whatever else I, 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 I intend to do is probably have ABC in there. And if people want to find you, where can they find you at? Ashley Bilal Chin is the Twitter. Ashley Bilal Chin is the Instagram. And Snapchat, you don't really want to see that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank you so much. Appreciate you sharing. For more inspirational interviews, head over to www.growdaily.co.uk.